G'day leaders. In this podcast, we talk about imposter syndrome. We talk about where it comes from, how it manifests itself. And at the end, we talk about how how you can overcome it. This is uh, one of our favorite podcasts. We love doing this one. So hope you enjoy. Cheers. Why did it count backwards? I know that we're now recording. <laughs> what? Hello, Captain. <laughs> what do I Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. So, leadership, life, and everything else. Yeah. And we're live. No, we're recording. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> Hi, Guy. How you doing? Good, how Good are you? to be back in the studio. It is. We've had a very full couple of weeks. It has been very full, hasn't it? Lots yeah. and lots of different things, lots of workshops. And yes. Yeah. Yes. No, Exciting times. Mm. <laughs> and today we've decided to talk about imposter syndrome. Yeah. You yeah. were discussing or telling me about some of the workshops you've been running of late yeah. and how you've been talking about imposter syndrome. Yeah, we thought it would be a great topic to talk about today because uh, it's a very common thing that people suffer from imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Mm. So launching straight into it, yep. what do you define as imposter syndrome? Um, so it's it's essentially that you're in a situation and you don't think you deserve to be there or you don't deserve the success that you've got or maybe the position that you've attained in an organization so you I see it a lot with people that I coach they're very senior and they don't feel like they should be there that they're a fraud mm. Mm. it's a it's a very common feeling yeah and, and, I've, um, I've um been there yeah you've experienced it as well I have, as have yeah. i yeah. yeah so i thought it'd be a great topic to talk about today because it's um it's it's it can impact people uh quite significantly yeah yeah um all right so let, let's talk about where it comes from what are your thoughts because you, you said you've experienced it mm. um where does it come from what, what what is it so if you could describe how you've experienced it to me um it's come from an insecurity i suppose oh, well that i think mm. um of really not deserving uh you know feeling that i'm a fraud yep. basically yep. um that i might get found out yep. uh on paper definitely not you know but you've the, got the experience you've yeah, got the skills I, that's but, right i deserved to get be there but you're still however yourself. yeah I'd, I'd be you know that anxiety would creep in and yeah. the, the the doubt yeah and, and just yeah how I, I didn't feel that I was there. I, I shouldn't have been there. Yeah. So it, it does come from insecurity. It comes from the natural uh, fears that we have because, you know, you remember back in high school, you wanted to fit in. And so, you know, you, you wanted to feel like you belonged where you were. Mm. And then when you get into your career and you start achieving things, um, it's a natural thing. It, it, it's, it's, it's always been there. Well, not, I shouldn't say it's always been there. But for me, it was, it was from when I was a young person, I, I always had this self-doubt, this fear, this sense of anxiety because I wasn't a very confident person growing up mm. but even when i started to get good at things i was still i still had that self-doubt traveling with me it was like a like a constant companion that wanted to poke its head out every now and then and uh, and interrupt any success that i was having yeah i look i i did work for a company where i don't know if they they meant to but the culture was um one to to really suppress any feelings of um confidence confidence <laughs> yeah well i don't i I know that they didn't want that, but yeah. the culture was that you'd failed 
and you had to prove otherwise. And so this was in the airline industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know that carried across to then other airlines I worked for. And I always knew who else had worked for that that airline um, coming from that culture because the anxiety leading up to simulator sessions was huge. So their focus was on safety, I presume. Yes. But this is the way they went about it to, to make you think that you failed until you've succeeded. Correct. Okay, but then that created a culture where you fear. Yeah. Yeah, you fear yeah. failure. And and I, I'm not sure if it's still. Um, Sorry, I'm just flying, <laughs> swatting a fly as we speak. I'm not sure if it's still there. But um, it got to one stage. I, I know people were kind of, you know, there were shortages of pilots and people were being overworked. And then the joke was that, oh, hopefully I've got sim so I can fail and get some time off. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, people were just kind of um, resolved to the fact that they'd probably fail. So the culture was creating... Um, fear, which is the opposite of psychological safety. And as we've spoken about in a couple of other podcasts, when people don't feel safe, they make more mistakes because you're focusing on those mistakes rather than focusing on That's right. success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how does it show up for you? Um, can you give me any situations where it showed up for you? Yeah, I've got one that I thought of. That um, I was doing an advertisement for um, one of the airlines I worked for and they had a filming day, and oh, this I is was, when you were a captain of Virgin. <laughs> well, no, I, I was a I was a pilot. I you was were the first, a pilot. I was a first officer, yeah, yeah. and um, we were had our filming day. Now there were five actual employees yep. of the company, and the rest were extras. Yeah. And um, it was an amazing, you know, filming day. I've and, seen and, this ad. I yeah. love this ad. <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, I'll put a link to it actually yeah, in the show notes, do but. That. The when we were getting ready for hair and makeup and, and all the rest, um, this absolutely beautiful young man came up to me and he said to me, why are you dressed as a pilot? I would look so much better in that uniform. And <laughs> he, the, the thing is that he probably would have. And because I was feeling so self-conscious about, um, I just had chemo and a, a course of chemo and my hair was still coming back. Um, I wasn't feeling amazing about myself. So you're, you're a breast cancer survivor. Yes, yeah. a warrior. A warrior. <laughs> That's it. And we, um, and then all these extras were beautiful people. Of course, <laughs> of course. There, there were the five of us, and <laughs> and, seen, and my I've other colleagues were beautiful. As are you. You're, you're <laughs> but, but there was that insecurity lady. that, and him saying that just kind of put me back in that. Oh, you know, maybe yeah. I shouldn't be here. Maybe they should have got this, like this beautiful and young he's man. He's an extra, and you're an actual pilot. <laughs> That's right. I know. I know. Silly, hey. Yeah. Well, I think imposter syndrome is silly. It's it's a silly part of us. We we don't necessarily need it, but it's it's there, and yeah. it's uh, it's interesting to to talk about how it shows up because it it shows up with us focusing on our on on failure. Mm. rather than focusing on what we need to do, the steps to achieve something. So um, we we then start to become anxious. It can affect our, our mental health. And I've even coached people who, who when we sit down in our first session, they, they actually label themselves as a failure. They say, I am a failure. Mm. So it can go as far as really removing complete 
any sense of confidence whatsoever and they've labeled themselves as a failure and then what that does is that they've programmed their subconscious mind which acts very much like a robot you, mm. you program it i am a failure mm. so from then on all they can do is find evidence of them failing. Even if they succeed, they'll find something that they didn't do perfectly so that they can then confirm to themselves that they're a failure. Mm. And it can be quite debilitating to people when they go really down this rabbit hole of, of imposter syndrome that they label themselves as a failure. They program their subconscious mind to by own, affirming it, by, affirming yeah. It, yeah. by only looking for things where they can fail. And I know this is a bit different, but in one of my courses I talk about how a lot of people, they think that they've got a bad memory. Yeah. Yeah, a bad memory for names, That's right, for example. Yeah. Yep. And so they say to people, oh, I've got such a bad memory for names. So they program their subconscious mind that they're bad at remembering names. So the next time they meet somebody, they shake somebody's hand and they say, oh, hi, Michael, how are you? And then after that, their brain goes, Michael, what's Michael? Michael's a name. What do we know about names? We're no good at names. Oh, okay, forget about Michael. Mm. And so they're, they're programming themselves for failure. And people who have really taken on board this imposter syndrome, they spend a lot of their energy programming themselves to fail so that they can be right. Oh, well, that's right. I, I think back, there are times when, you know, you've you failed at something, um, not performed as expected, and then you do, you go into this self-sabotage, I'm hopeless at everything, and it becomes almost catastrophizing. Yeah. You know? It's, oh, my goodness, I can't do anything, yeah. which is ridiculous. You can, mm. but, um, yeah, it it the self-sabotage takes over. So it causes like a self-fulfilling um not a prophecy. It's not a prophecy, but it becomes no. self-fulfilling, doesn't it? It does. It's it's like when you go skiing. Have you ever gone skiing? Yes. No, <laughs> you sound as confident at it as I am. I didn't ski. I slid <laughs> down the slopes. But one of the things I teach you when you're skiing is don't, If, for example, if you're going through trees, you don't look at the tree. You look at the gap. Yeah, Same follow as the driving. path. Yeah, look follow the path. The path. You, don't, yeah. You, don't look at, you don't look at the car that you want to avoid. You look at the gap to where you want your car to go. And I remember when um, I tried snowboarding. I, 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 I can ski. I'm not a great skier, but I, tr I thought I'd try snowboarding because it looked fun. And the guy said... If you want to go that way, look that way. If you mm. want to go the other way, look that way. And then I remembered that from when I was learning to ski because they tell you, look where you want to go, mm. not where you don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> so with imposter syndrome, if you're focusing on failing, you often fail. Yeah. Because if you fear failure, you make more mistakes. Yeah. That reminds me, there's, um, and and uh, my former colleagues, um if any are listening, will will know who I'm talking about with this person. But there was a a Czech captain, and for the command course, he would um, make you say loudly and with conviction, and keep saying it until he was convinced mm -hmm. that. And this is a, a language warning here. Uh, <laughs> Should we abbreviate it or beep it out? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Okay. Um, you would have to say, I am the meanest motherfucking pilot to ever fly a 737. Wow. And you'd have to keep saying it louder and with conviction because none of this, you know, you're coming up to be a captain, I don't deserve it. And because it's, it's a journey, it is a long journey. And there are times when you may not perform your best you may you know you're human yeah and 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 that's what you mentioned to me you yeah know, it is a, a human trait yes um 
Unless you're a sociopath and you don't doubt yourself ever. <laughs> well, that's right. But also to fail or to, to stumble. Yep. And um, so, yeah, that to get rid of that, to out-talk, mm. out-affirm that I'm a failure mm. with I am the meanest motherfucking pilot to ever fly a 737. So you're trained to, to, yeah. to just barge through any imposter syndrome. That's barge it. Barge through any that's insecurity. It. I like that. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, I've, I've done a fair bit of work with sports psychologists around mindset with regards to sport. So all right, I want to ask you, have you ever suffered from, from imposter syndrome? What stories come to mind? Uh, probably one of the first ones would be I was elected school captain in primary school mm-hmm. and... I wasn't a popular person at all at school. I was the nerdy one. I did very well mm. in um, in school academically, but and I was also tall, gawky. Um, I was athletic. I, I ran a lot, but definitely not popular. And I was voted school captain. Mm. And people were like, "How come you got it?" When you know the popular girl only became a vice captain. And what I found out were was that teachers had also voted me in, but it was that real, I, I, I won it, I suppose, but then I was, why me? I didn't want to be in the spotlight because I didn't felt like I deserved it. I didn't felt like I was the one, should have been the one up there. Yeah. Maybe a prefect. Yeah, you know? yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. How it's, about you? Um. Oh, well, the first story that comes to mind, actually, this, this, this was a, a big moment for me. So, you know, from our very first podcast that I have a background in IT. Yes. I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. I used to train IT and teach it. And, um, and so I was working for a company and we were teaching, we were working in the Federal Magistrates Court and the Family Court of Australia, teaching the employees their, um, their new computer software program. So there's a program called Case Track, which I, think, I, I believe still exists. And I remember I was told that I was going to have to go into the magistrate's office, mm-hmm. the judges, mm-hmm. and teach them how to use the computer. And I started to panic. I started to fear um, because I'm going to be working with these magistrates, these judges. And I was told how, how I was meant to address them. And I can't even remember the words. It's something like your honor or something <laughs> like that, that you would see in movies. And I was getting really nervous. And I mentioned it to, to a friend of mine, a mentor. And he said, some of the best advice I've ever received. He looked me square in the eyes and said, Guy, you know more than them. <laughs> In case track. Yeah. Yeah. They might be a judge. They might be a magistrate. But you know more than them about what you're going in there to teach them about. Mm. And, he, and he then said something that was really powerful. He said, they're human beings. Mm. They're just like you. Yeah. And so that whole fear of hierarchy, that fear of these people who are at the top of their career, judges and magistrates, it just completely went away. And I remember walking into this magistrate's office, just walking straight up to him and introducing myself. G'day, I'm Guy. Instead of... Your 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 honor, your, maj- your majesty. <laughs> I just yeah, I just walked in there, and I remember after that day, I, I've had imposter syndrome many many times since then. But that was the that was the first really big event that taught me something. That yeah, in that situation, I knew more than them. So what what was I fearing? Mm. Like if I made a mistake, they wouldn't even know that I made a mistake, and mm. not that I wanted to make mistakes. But I, I no longer feared making mistakes. But I didn't I didn't fear them because they were human beings, and and we're all humans, regardless of what level of success we have. And and then that 
that actually helped me uh, even years later. I was working for, uh, for at the Prime Minister's office as a as an IT consultant, and they asked me to go to the Prime Minister's house here, here in Sydney at Kirribilli, and do some work on the on his computer. So this is when John Howard was the Prime Minister, and so I remember rocking up early in the morning, and they ushered me into the kitchen, and his personal chef made me breakfast, and I thought, oh, this is nice. <laughs> but then I started to fear that I shouldn't be there, that I had that I. That I'd, I didn't think I was experienced enough. And and then uh, whilst I was sitting there having breakfast, I started to, you know, f- feel nervous. I'm thinking, this is this is weird. I haven't had these feelings for a little while now. And, yeah, again, I was, I was having imposter syndrome. I didn't think I needed to be there. But anyway, I ended up going into um, John Howard's office. He wasn't there. I installed some software, did a few things on his computer, and then his wife came in mm. and I helped her use the computer. She wanted me to show her how to look at some photos that she received from the president of the US. And and so we, I, I walked her through it and then she said, oh, thank you very much. She left the room and I thought, that was it? And I was fearing this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I've had it I've had it quite a few times. Well, what- it's. I think when it- – the build-up mm, as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you, your mind starts, and and you know this more than I do, is it um, adrenaline and cortisol yep. that increase? Yep. And so it almost squeezes out. What I found is that this build-up in your mind, it squeezes out any knowledge that you have and you start to become blank. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had a, a time when I was learning uh, to fly and we were doing crosswind landings. mm and I hated them because I didn't know how to do them. And so I remember one day it was forecast to be windy and my instructor said, okay, we're going to do crosswind landings until you get it right. And I woke up early and I looked out the window and there was a breeze and I'm my, you know, I started to get tight in the chest almost and feel sick and my heartbeat was pounding. Then as I'm driving, like I couldn't eat, I was too nervous. As I'm driving out to the airport, it seemed to be getting windier and windier, almost <laughs> like a tornado, and I'm forgetting everything. So I I tried to um, make, make it as steps that I could just, you know, into wind, you know, rudder to correct, dip the wing, this sort of thing, and maintain center line, and I forgot all of it. And I'm, I turned up to the airport and parked, and I'm thinking... I don't know how to do this. I have never, it's like I've never done it ever. And I'd been practicing and we went and did it. And I'm, I went to the toilet so many times beforehand. I was so nervous and just thinking maybe I sh- I'm not cut out to be a pilot. Like if I can't do this, I, I can only fly when there's no wind. <laughs> I'll be a fair weather pilot. <laughs> and that, that's okay that, that's with a me. That's okay with me. But I was, I was really thinking I should not be here. I shouldn't be doing this. Like I'm, I'm not cut out to be a pilot. Obviously we went up and uh, because it was so windy, then the it, it was it made it really obvious mm. what I should be doing. And from then on, it clicked. Like when it did click, then I love windy days. So mm. you know, it's like yes, bring it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it was it was really yeah. I, I was doubting my my career choice. 
It was funny while you're saying that story. I'm picturing Dorothy in, like and the cyclone in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. That's right. Yeah, I, I knew nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that happens when you start to go into that fight or flight. You you lose memory. Mm. You lose memory, and so that's one of the things that your brain does. It starts to shut down parts of your brain that it doesn't need anymore because you're in fight or flight. You need to react, not sit there and recall instructions. You 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 should be operating from habit. Mm. Um, but that starts to all shut down because you're in fight or flight. Yeah, the uh, adrenocorticotropic hormone that's released into your body that's and it. then builds up over time. I knew that you'd come up with that one. Yes, yep. the nerd in me knows, knows <laughs> some of that stuff. Um, I, I, I had um, similar experiences when I was playing water polo. So when, when we were traveling overseas and we were playing against other nations um, in Italy and um, when I played my worst and that was – regrettably it was often when we weren't in big competitions for some mm. reason i was able to get my mind right in bigger competitions but when we were in training camps in places like italy and greece and stuff like that occasionally and, and I've, I've thought about this endlessly occasionally we'd be playing you know training matches against italy and spain and and uh, different countries and i'd get into my head and I'd start thinking and I'd start playing bad. And then when I started playing bad, I'd focus on what the mistakes I was making and then it was getting worse and I'd play worse and worse. And I remember one tour, I felt sorry for the Australian coach because um, I'm a goalkeeper and we ha there's always two goalkeepers on tour, but the other goalkeeper injured himself. So it's now just me. And so I'm playing. But then I injured myself. I, I've, I've always had a, a crook neck from when I was a kid. I, I was doing a high jump. I missed the mat. I landed on the ground. And oh. I've, got, I've got a little bone in my neck that, that decided to go sideways. Yeah. And so ever since then, uh, if I turn my neck quickly, it can it just goes out. It kind of locks up. And so when it locks up, I'm, my spine's in pain. I can still move. But anyway, so that happened to me. And so now, now I'm playing... I was playing bad, but now I'm playing worse and I'm getting worse and I'm getting worse. And then I remember um, during one of the uh, breaks at quarter time, my coach had changed our tactics to play a press defense instead of a zone defense. And he said, and we're doing this because you can't even stop a ball, right? He was getting very frustrated. And rightly so, because he's got somebody playing in goals who's playing like a third, a fourth grader. Like I, I was in the national team and I was playing horrible. I really was. I, I remember this because I've had nightmares about it many, many times since. And his frustration came out and he took and he, and he said that and then I played even worse because mm. now not only am I beating myself up, he's beating me up and, and rightly so because I was playing shit. I was yeah. really playing terribly. And I remember that because all I could do was focus on what I was doing wrong, mm. not what I was doing right. Yeah. And so after that, I, I developed this little um, uh, habit that every time somebody scored a goal against me, before I'd get the ball out of the back of the goal and throw it back to halfway – I would replay the scene in my head as if I succeeded, as if I'd saved it. Wow. Yeah. And, and so before I'd even turn around and grab the ball, because the ball in the back of the net is failure, what I'd do is I'd replay the, the scene in my mind. I'd even practice with my body what I should have done to save the ball, cemented that in. That's what I'd do next time. Grab the ball, throw it to halfway. And when I started to develop that habit, every time they scored a goal, I then forgot about it. Yeah. So the games that I played really badly, I could remember every goal that they scored. The games that I played well, I couldn't remember a single goal that was scored against me because I was rewinding my brain, replaying it with a new success story. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I that I used to actually overcome imposter syndrome is, was not to remember the failures. Mm. Yeah, to use them as an opportunity to learn. That reminds me, and we were talking about it on the walk this morning, that so failures are 
basically the outcome is not as expected. Yeah, not the desired outcome. Yeah, yeah. So, and we were talking about there was um, a business that made, it still makes millions, billions of dollars, or probably not that was an exaggeration, (laughs) um, millions of dollars based on a failure. Remember 3M? 3M, yeah, the glue. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Post-it notes. Post-it notes are a failure. Yeah. Well, the post-it notes themselves are not a failure, but the glue that the person was trying to make didn't, didn't stick, stick. <laughs> <laughs> and so they turned it into post-it notes and and say so, yeah yeah that was a great great story of turning what could have been a failure into a success story. that's right sorry yeah. that was a little no story. not at all not at all <laughs> have you got any other stories where you where you suffered from imposter syndrome uh yeah look oh, i've got i've got many but one of the the things that i i that came to mind was when uh in a simulator session it was a simulator check and I was a first officer and we'd been doing, so So what typically happened was uh, one pilot went first, did a scenario and then to the end, to, to landing, and then the next pilot redid it um, from the beginning as well to, to landing. And the captain went first on this particular one and um, he failed. Mm. I went next, did the same thing and I passed. Even though you did exactly the same, the same as what he that's did. right. Yeah. And I came out of there with relief because I'd passed, but feeling like I didn't deserve it mm. because the captain had failed. So why did the captain the same fail thing. and you didn't? Well, there was. It seemed to be a bit of a pattern, and what it was is we found out because uh, you know assessing a pilot yeah. is also personal preferences come in. Oh, really? And it found out. This particular check captain, <laughs> that's right, had was failing captains for it, but not yeah. first officers. Okay. Don't know the reasoning, but it really set up this thing of, I didn't deserve that. Uh, okay. I feel like I shouldn't be here yeah, when I was yeah. flying and that captain then wasn't because he'd failed. So it felt like favouritism almost. It did. Or it mm. just was unjust. So there you go. We found another cause of imposter syndrome. Mm. Yeah, potential favouritism. That's right. So mm. almost, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe... It, that just brings to mind um, there's this thought now amongst um, Gen Xs, I suppose, that kids of today get an award or a merit for oh, just showing up. Yeah. <laughs> when, when <laughs> or I, even if they don't. <laughs> when I played football as a kid, my brother, younger brother got the trophy for best and fairest every year. He was a genius and I got the trophy for turning up. <laughs> it was called the best team man trophy. Oh, and basically okay. what they're saying, hey, well done for turning up. Yeah, every <laughs> you, single you were, week. You were yeah. always there. But now it's the participation trophy and yeah. everyone gets one. So I wonder know. what that'll look like down the track. Well, <laughs> I... I I've got a theory about it. I think we should have participation trophies for the young kids just to, you know, hey, well done. And it's an effort trophy that you turned up. Mm. But it's an effort trophy. Well, not, that's not, right. We not try and praise trophy, it. But we should it, but, also yeah. give the best and fairest. Mm. That's the thing that's missing in my opinion. Yes. I think we need to give kids the trophy for, hey, well done, good effort this season, yeah, yeah. to encourage them to come back next year. Yes. But the kid who did the best needs to get that trophy because kids need to learn that life is competition. There is competition everywhere. You, yeah. c- you compete for a job, you compete for a girlfriend, you compete for everything. Yeah. yeah. And so it'd be lovely if we never had to compete, but that's just not the world. No. Yeah. No, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Have, you, have you ever had the opposite of uh, imposter syndrome? And I, I see the, imp- the opposite of imposter syndrome as flow. Yeah. The zone. 
or uh, deep work, they call it. So there's kind of three terms, but flow. It's where everything just seems to be happening happening seamlessly. Have you ever had that situation? Yeah, I love it. It's it's addictive. Um, so this uh, again, another captain I flew with, a, a beautiful man, and he um, was an amazing pilot. He also flew by the book, so you were no, you turned up to work, and it was a great day. Yeah. We had a simulator check together, mm. and so I knew what he expected of me. I knew how he operated. He knew how I operated and, you know, also to the book. Mm. And so there was that we were relaxed. Mm. Um, there wasn't anxiety. And we just flew like it was a normal day, even though it was a check and, you know, engines were failing or on fire and the whole thing. It was still just a normal day of flying. So there was no anxiety, um, no pressure. Yeah. We even had time to chat, which in a sim session, there's none. You're always stressing about what have I forgotten? Is there something I should be doing? You know, what's coming next? And this was just like, oh, you know, almost like, oh, do you want a coffee? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we both did really well. We both got fives. But the funny thing was that the Check captain said to me after in the debrief, he goes, oh, Michelle, you know, um, you were probably smiling too much and laughing a bit too much. And I don't recall I was laughing, but I may have been because I laugh all the time. Yes. But um, the, and the captain stood up for me, Chris, and he said, how can you say that when we were, we, we operated as a perfect crew, you actually awarded us five out of five, both of us. And had made the comment, it was one of the best sim sessions you've ever seen. And now you're trying to diminish Michelle's effort by telling her she, she smiles, smiles too, too much, much or laughed. Wow. And so I was so I was so grateful for him. And I did, we felt like we were like super pilots. Yeah. We it was like, if this is every sim session, I'm I'm, you know. Captain Wonderful sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I, I think that check captain didn't understand something about humans. When we are relaxed, when we are enjoying ourselves, when we're even laughing and we feel the ultimate sense of calmness because of that, we make far fewer mistakes. Mm. We can get out of our head. We can, we're just in the moment. We're in flow like you're experiencing. I don't think he understood humans well enough because if I saw somebody smiling, enjoying themselves whilst they're in a simulator and the engine's on fire, I would know that they're in a, in a good headspace. Yeah. But if they're panicky... Yeah, you don't want somebody panicky. I guess what he wants someone to do is, is take it seriously. Just take it I seriously, don't. you know, put a put a stern but but not be scared. Mm. But you were you were in ultimate flow. And I've I've, I've had a similar experience um playing sport. Mm. So I told you before about how I used to play really badly in certain situations. I remember one tournament we were in Hungary and uh we we're playing against the top top nations and we ended up winning. And I, I is the first time we've won a gold medal as the Australian men's team. The women are champions. They win all the time. But we're, this was our first gold medal internationally. And I remember that tournament distinctly because I was in flow. I was in the zone the mm. whole tournament. And like you, I had a smile on my face. Yeah. Yeah. I was always panicky before. Um, not panicky always. But I've, I've had tournaments where I've been in flow. But this one, it was, I, I was in flow the whole tournament. It's almost like things were happening in slow motion. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like the the players were further away from me than what they actually were, and I could see the ball coming to me, and it, it, it I felt joy because I was in the moment. There was nothing else existing. Time was slowing down. I was enjoying myself, and 
I was just operating on instinct and habit mm. and I could almost observe what was going on rather than being there. That third person that sort third of thing. That third person yeah. thing, yeah, that you can do in your head. And it was the most enjoyable experience I've ever had it, playing sport in, in life, really. It's it's when you're in deep, deep flow and, and you get out of your head and there's no fear whatsoever. Mm. And because of that, all of the training – could just kick in all my instincts could kick in and it was yeah it was just the most wonderful experience and, and we won we ended up winning and we walked away with trophies and, and it was a fantastic feeling and I, I wish I'd been able to bottle that and then straight away apply it forever but yeah regrettably the next year it, it wasn't there with me um so it's an interesting thing and and athletes train for it mm. they, they aim for it we didn't do a, a I don't think back then we did enough to focus on, on getting into that state because I, yeah. I don't think we knew as much as what we do know now. How can we, like we've discussed this, how mm. you can manage uh, imposter syndrome mm -hmm. or avoid it completely, like if you can, avoid yeah. it completely. So how do we fix it or yeah. how, how do we avoid it? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've got quite a few ideas that I, that I teach people now and I'm sure you've got some techniques that you use yourself because you went on to become a very successful captain and um, you, you had a long career in the aviation industry and it seemingly that everything you try your hand at, you're very good at. Um, so my, the things that I do, um, the first thing is body language and I think we've spoken about this in the past in the confidence uh podcast that we did that if you stand confidently if you walk confidently if you if you show confidence in your body language and we learned this from amy cuddy the ted talk that she did that your body will then produce the chemicals associated with feeling strong and powerful but if you show fear in your body language your body will then release the adrenocorticotropic hormone which turns into the fight or flight yeah, mm. adrenaline and cortisol and so that's the first thing so just be very mindful of your body because when you when you are feeling fear you naturally make yourself smaller you start to protect yourself you 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 hunch you cross your legs you do all of these things but if you stand tall stand confidently that's the first thing i'd suggest people do just be very very conscious of what their body language is saying to themselves yeah mm. have you got any tips well i i like aff affirmations or affirming yep. Yep. so like um captain pete used to say um and, and get us to say but also just you know doing a catalog in my mind or on paper of what i've actually achieved the mm. qualifications i have the experience i have because often we forget yep. it's really easy to praise um somebody else yeah. and to to tell them how great they are for for what they've accomplished but it's for some reason it's really hard to do it to yourself because we don't want to be arrogant i guess yeah yeah and and so just that you can do it in private just yeah. the whole thing of you know well done giving yourself a bit of a high five which mm. i do physically do and i won't show you now because we can't see it <laughs> or is it just a clap <laughs> it is but up high okay. <laughs> clapping above our head yeah i like it um and you know, just kind of that. Hey, you've got this. You've done it. Well done. You know, you've you've bit you've, of self praise. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which I always found hard to do. Yeah. But, mm. Mm. Now the thing I do is, and it's something I teach is focus on the steps. Yes. Yeah. Just focus on the steps. Yeah. Focus on what you need to do. The process. Focus on your routines. Focus mm. on the steps. So, um, LeBron James 
Michael Jordan, all of the fabulous basketballers that I grew up idolizing. I didn't grow up with LeBron James. He's <laughs> the current champion, but uh, they all have routines. You, you see them when they're rocking up to the game. They're all in headphones. They're listening to the same music. They follow the same routines and they're, they're focusing on the steps. Mm. Yeah. And so a lot of athletes, they have routines that they follow because it just gets their mind thinking on uh, what they need to do, not fearing the consequences and that sort of stuff. So you see that a lot in sport, but in business, in, in any area of life, if you focus on the steps required to complete the task, the steps required to do whatever it is you're doing, mm. then you're, you're focusing on the, the not the um, fear of failing, but you're focusing on how you're going to get to the outcome you desire. Yeah, so mm. I suppose you could even, you know, your lucky undies or your, your special tie okay. or something if you're going in to, you know, do a proposal or, or yeah. whatever. You or, could. I don't if, know about lucky undies. <laughs> You don't have lucky undies? I don't have any lucky undies. No, 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 no. I have undies, not lucky okay, undies. Because okay. I, cause I, yeah, one thing I did want to move away from when I was playing sport was superstition. Yes. That if I didn't, because yeah. then if I didn't have the lucky undies with me, I, I, I couldn't succeed. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't want to rely on things that are external to me. Mm. I only ever wanted to rely on me. And so I did that as well after after playing. So sport. instead of then maybe attributing it to a physical item, could you do? And I know Tony Robbins does this, mm. like a power pose, power or have, pose, body language, yeah. yeah, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I've I've found it difficult to attribute success to external things because if those external things weren't there, mm. then I'd be fearful. Yeah. So um, I like your affirming and your self praise stuff. There's another thing that we we talk about a lot off the podcast is about breath work and breathing and the power of breath work so maybe um before if you're feeling anxiety do your box breathing which is you know for, uh, breathe in for four seconds hold for four seconds out for four seconds hold for four seconds in for four so you're doing that box breathing that could be something that people could use to when they when the anxiety or the fear is coming up and yeah yep. I've, one process i found that worked for me is also focusing on now mm. so in a simulator session for example um you know blew up brown down which was the uh, um sky the, up yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like basically <laughs> so blew up brown down and it was just focus on on where you're at yeah so you know aviate navigate communicate so basically um do what you need to to survive get mm. get in a right situation straight up yeah. and that could be you know i look at the sky right now can i hear the birds singing right now mm. what's in my hand um you know having a, a necklace or a ring or something that you focus on having having something to just take your mind off that i shouldn't be here mm. or, and the anxiety that exists then because of that, yeah. just like, no, I'm here, breathe in, breathe out, yep. breathe in, breathe out, yeah. <laughs> don't forget. <laughs> and, and then, you know, one step at a time. Yeah, yeah. I want to um, kind of like bring it all back together. Um, not that we've taken it apart, <laughs> but I want people to understand what failure actually is. It's not failure. It's not failure. There's no, I don't, I, there's no such thing as failure. Mm. It's learning. Yes. Human beings have to fail to learn. Think about it. When you're a child, you stand up a thousand times before you, you can walk. Mm. And when we're a kid, we just keep trying, keep trying. We stand up, we fall down. We stand up, we fall down. Because we're seeing all of these other people doing it. Oh, yeah, stand up, fall down. Start, you know, you, that's, you know, you've seen children learn to walk. Because, and be, because they can't think. They don't have the language. 
they're not doubting themselves. They're not mm. sitting there going, oh, I'm an imposter. I can't walk. I shouldn't be a human being. They just keep trying. But as we get older, when we start to develop an ego, when we start to, to look at failure, oh, you know, people are going to think, you know, we, we get start input to worry from about, others. yeah, we yeah. worry about what other people are thinking. We need to change our relationship to failure. There's no such thing. It is just learning. And every single day we do our best. Mm. And every single day we will learn from the previous day because that's what failure is. It's learning. There's no such thing as failure. So ultimately, to get rid of imposter syndrome, and I think I finally got rid of it. Um, there are there are situations where I lack a bit of confidence every now and then, but um, I've, I've stopped fearing what other people think because even when I do fail, there's no such thing as failure. I'm just learning. Mm. I'm just learning. And yeah, I'm, I'm not as hard on myself now as what I used to be when I was younger. What about yourself? I'm aiming. You're aiming for it. You're still on the journey. (laughs) I am still on the journey. Yeah. 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 But um, not as well as what you did with the goal. Um, You know, I I really like what you were talking about, how you would, instead of, before you went and collected the ball, you replayed that situation, but with a success. Yeah. Um, This is what I now do. If there's something that didn't go as I wanted it to go, I redo it and I do it with breath work. Mm. Uh, whilst I'm doing breath work, I reimagine it successfully. Yeah. Or how I wanted it to play out. Yeah. And so then I'm in my mind, I'm, I'm rewiring, hardwiring that outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, have we spoken about life university? No. Um, when, I, when, when my head hits the pillow. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. When my head hits the pillow, I go to Life University. It's uh, a little thing I've been doing for a long time. I rewind the day, look at how it went, see if there's anything I, that went that that I could have done better or that it didn't go the way I wanted it. And then I think, okay, how how do I rewire this in my head? What do I do differently? And then when I go to sleep, my brain is programming myself to be different in the future. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah, cool. I think that is a, uh, a fantastic. Uh, I, just, I just wanted to say yeah, I really appreciate, or we really appreciate, all of the messages and emails that we've been receiving yeah. about the podcast and some of the topics people want to hear about and some guests that people want to hear from. I'm, it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Keep them coming, please. Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely to hear from you all. And, uh, and we've got so many suggestions about sort of topics people want to learn about. So we'll be recording those in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. And uh, merch. Yes. 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 We, we have merch. We do. T-shirts <laughs> so, and yeah, hats. T-shirts and hats. And uh, it has your fabulous slogan, more dogs more on dogs, it. More dogs. Right. We think the world will be a better place with more dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how do we finish this podcast up? Um, thank you for coming on the journey with us. Yeah, this is uh, all aboard. Yes, all aboard. That's right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Great to see you again, Michelle. Thanks, Guy. Bye. Take care. Bye. So, Michelle, where can they find us? Captainandtheclown.com. Where you'll find links to our websites for keynote speaking and corporate training. Yes, that's captainandtheclown.com. <laughs> well, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> You're such a clown. The clown. (laughs) Lady captain. (laughs) And who's going to listen to this? Maybe our mums. Thanks, mum.